Good job, Matt. If you would, turn to the Bible to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17. While you're turning there, just want to go over a, a, a few quick things. Last Sunday, we announced that we needed a lot of help this week to get all the, the stuff done, opportunities for service, and, and you guys showed up. It was awesome. We had about 25 people here on Tuesday at noon to unload uh, 14,000 pounds of food back here in our food pantry. Uh, that was awesome, and the rest of the week went the same way, Wednesday night dinners and uh, Friday football team dinner and... Um, a lot of opportunities to serve in this church, and you guys do it, and so we want to say thank you all for that. Thanks for, thanks for working hard. Uh, we've been feeding the football team all season. That started in August, and here we are on uh, November the 13th, and it's still going. Our local team, Fairdale High School, won again this past Friday in, uh, in the playoffs, and so now they're into the third round. Uh, so we're doing it again this Friday. We'll be feeding them. Um, but when they showed up this Friday... They brought a gift to us, and so we wanted to share that with you all. Uh, the coach presented this to our kitchen crew. It's a framed football jersey from Fairdale High School, and it's number one. And the coach even said, because this kitchen crew is the best that there is, at feeding teams. And um, we love to serve the Lord here. We hope that God is using us. Uh, but it was a big honor for them to recognize that and to thank uh, all the volunteers that are working here. And so uh, that's what that is. We'll find a place downstairs to hang that up. We wanted to show that to you all. But check this out. Um, the coach called on Friday and said, hey, the players are kind of discussing among themselves that Ahead of this big game this Friday, third round of the playoffs, they play at Owensboro, so it won't be here in Fairdale. They want to wear shirts and ties to school that day as like this is a big deal. And so he asked if we might have some men that could donate some shirts and ties, all right? So not, not everybody up there needs a shirt and tie. There's plenty of kids that have their own shirts and ties, but he did call and ask. So... Tomorrow or Tuesday, let's say by, by Wednesday, if you have any extra shirts and ties that you could donate, not get back, donate for us to give to them, we will get them up there. We're just going to take them all to the locker room, kind of lay them all out, and they can pick through and be ready to wear to school on Friday, okay? A couple things. There's some 14-year-olds on the football team that weigh about 90 pounds, and there's some big boys on the football team okay, that weigh about 300 pounds, okay? So no matter what sizes you have, we will take them, all right? That's why I said that. No matter what sizes you have, we will take them and we will give them to them, okay? What a cool opportunity for us to step up in that way. Thank you all for doing that and what a joy it is for us to have a part in that, all right? Uh, it's already been mentioned, but we lost a huge piece this week. Mr. Stanley Harden passed away on Wednesday morning. It's been a heavy week, and we are heartbroken for that. Uh, everybody has been asking, so I figured we'd just go ahead and say it here. Now, there are going to be two services for him. 
And his sweet wife, Miss Tish, is, is here right now. Miss Tish, we, we love you and we are here for you, okay? It's a big step for you to be here this day. I know that. Um, and she was even playing the organ this morning as you all walked in. Thank you for that, Miss Tish. There are going to be two services for him. The first is going to be here Saturday at 11. And then that will roll into visitation here all day until 5 o'clock. So a service here at 11 that will roll into visitation until 5 o'clock that day. Saturday, 11 to 5 here. And then there will be a bigger one at the Fairdale High School gym, which is named the Stanley Harden Gymnasium, at 3 o'clock on Sunday. So we've had everybody asking, calling, and texting. So now you know and you can help us spread the word. Here Saturday, 11 o'clock, and then all the way until 5 o'clock. At the high school Sunday at 3 o'clock. May God use us this week to honor Coach Stan Harden's life. We do thank God for him. All right, Revelation chapter 17. We have been in Revelation now for a long time. And we're walking through this, and we've gotten to what might be the most complicated part of it all. And I know some of you all are going, yeah, right, it's been complicated for 16 straight chapters. I don't disagree with you. But it gets even more complicated now. We've tried to point out that the timeline in Revelation is not as important as just what is being explained. We saw the seven seals that led into the seven trumpets that led into the seven bowls. Each of these are pictures of God judging the world in the way that God's going to judge the world, in the way that he's already judging the world and how he works, but then also in how he will ultimately judge the world at the end of the world. But a lot of times after he introduces that, the book of Revelation will take a step back and explain some other things in more detail. That's been really helpful for us to see that. It looks like that the seventh trumpet, which was in chapter 11, was the end of the world. And it looks like the seventh bowl at the end of chapter 16 was the end of the world. And then we get some other deeper detail and explanation about things. Well, what we have at chapter 17 and 18 is the way that the world is going to be dealt with, the end of the world, the passing away of the world. And then chapter 19 shows the rejoicing in heaven from the believers because of that. If you'll just kind of do like a glance right now at your Bible Chapter 17 says the great prostitute and the beast. Chapter 18 says the fall of Babylon. And then chapter 19 says rejoicing in heaven, which leads into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Obviously, this is a lot of symbolism and a lot of imagery. What's happening here, okay, if you get lost in all of that, what's happening here is it's the end of the world. It's what it looks like for God to judge deal with, and do away with all that is wrong in creation. He's going to do that. 
God is going to make all things right. He's going to make all things new. He's going to fix everything. He's going to do away with everything wrong. And believers long for that day, do we not? This week we have felt, why? Why is death a thing? Why do we suffer from that? Why is cancer a thing? Why is it that somebody that's living and moving with us and and, and living life and enjoying life with us can find out they have cancer and very quickly see their health decline and ultimately take their life? We long for God to make things like that not be the case. We long for lots of things, and that's just one tiny example in the midst of so many. We saw one of our pastors, Matt, move to tears as he speaks of Kentucky. Now, the video was an incredible video of a guy in Senegal, Africa. And a lot of times you and I will think, man, over there in those places, they got a lot of needs. But we just heard Matt McBroom say in our nation, 424,000 kids do not have a home. Not in Senegal, not in Asia, not in places that we often think have their issues right here. And if you didn't know, Kentucky's one of the worst. Our state is one of the worst at having babies and not keeping them. That hurts. And it leaves us going, man, why is it like that? And there are times in life where things are so good that you don't want to think about the negative, and I know that. You don't want somebody to rain on your parade. You don't want somebody to steal your joy. I know that, and I feel that too. But there are times in life, if we will admit it, in humility and honesty, where we know it ain't supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be different from this. It's supposed to be better than this. It's definitely supposed to be more God-honoring than this, more God-centered than this. And we feel that a lot. I hope that you do. And we need to feel that more and more and more. This chapter or these chapters today are the end of the Bible. There are only 22 chapters in, the, in Revelation. This is the 66th book in the 7th and 18th chapters of the Word of God. We're at the end. And it is God showing us all of that crookedness, all of that evil, all that is wrong under the influence of the evil one, that ancient serpent, the dragon, the devil, Satan himself, God will do away with. He will. And Christ The Lord Jesus Christ will reign forever. Now, what makes it, now that's what this is about, okay, 17 and 18. What makes it a little complicated is that in chapter 17, he describes that, this fallen world, as the great prostitute, a harlot, okay? And so if you're not careful, you get caught, caught up in this. I mean, there's, there's some people out there that think there's going to be some crazy promiscuous woman going to show up on earth one day, and she's going to be so shady that it's going to do something to religious people. That's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. There's people that think like that. 
This is about the whole world being unfaithful to God. And you know one of the best ways to get people's attention and to recognize unfaithfulness is to bring up sexual sin. Now, this chapter is not really about sexual sin, but it says unfaithfulness by the way of a a prostitute representing the world. And here's all it means. It means that the world was made to love God. People were made to love God. People were made to worship God and live for God and do good in this world for God, to be a magnifying glass of the beauty and goodness of God, to be loving in the world the way God loves the world, to be helpful in the world the way God is helpful to the world. That's why God makes people. Instead of doing that, we people have been unfaithful to that. We've been immoral to that. We've been about other things. We've been faithful in other areas. We've been committed in other areas. And so chapter 17, he describes this fallen world as the great prostitute being influenced by the beast, which is the devil. In chapter 18, he's talking about the same thing, but instead of describing it as an unfaithful woman, he describes it as a city, a corrupt city. Sounds like he's talking about a nation, but he keeps calling it a city because he's talking about the whole world, and he's talking about citizens of that city. It could be described as the city of man in contrast to the city of God. Chapter 18 describes this fallen world as the fallen Babylon, the city. And chapter 17 describes this fallen world as the great prostitute. But the Bible is often telling us this, that what is in the world is not honoring God and it will not last. You've heard this before. When when Pastor Matt read this passage from 1 John 2, it says that exact thing. If you're taking notes, remember this passage, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's a huge contrast here in the Bible between loving the world and loving the Father. Verse 16 says, All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. There are things in our lives. Here there are three, okay, and they're listed. Desires of the flesh, things that you want, things that are important to you, things that distract you and pull you and you lust after and you just have to have. The desire of the eyes, things that you can't stop looking at, and the pride of life or the pride of possessions. And it says that those things are from the world and they are specifically not from God. They're not good things from God. They're bad things. And then he says this. This is what the whole message is going to be about today, but from Revelation. 1 John 2, 17 says, And the world is passing away along with its desires. 
in contrast to all that's passing away, but whoever does the will of God remains forever. So the Bible teaches us that all that is in the world that is not of God, all that is in the world that is fallen, all that is in the world that is inaccurate and incorrect and error and not of truth and not God-honoring will come to an end. It will. We are to be strengthened. We are to be comforted. We are to find hope. We are to believe looking forward to that day. All that is not of God will pass away. So today, I want us to look in a different way at chapters 17 and 18, okay, of Revelation and see these things at the end of the world in judgment that will pass away, okay? Now, 1 John has told us that the things of the world will pass away, but before we look at these in Revelation, okay, I want to just remind you of how common this message is. If you're taking notes, just listen to me as I read these. The first one is Isaiah 40, okay? Take notes and listen, Isaiah 40. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field, the grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. There's coming a day when even people will not be anymore unless, or not be anymore here on earth unless they are in heaven or in hell. And we feel right now that people, you and I, are like grass that is here and then not here once we pass away. This is what the Bible is telling us time and time again. Another passage, Matthew chapter 6, and Matt mentioned this passage earlier. Matthew chapter 6, listen to the words of Jesus. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is the teaching of Jesus telling us that the things you treasure ought to be important after this life. And we shouldn't treasure too much things that don't make it past this life. Things that rust. Things that moths can destroy. In Matthew 24, the same book, verse 34, we hear Jesus say this. This is so simple. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Then he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The Bible, time and again, I'm showing you this today in just a few minutes from Revelation. We've seen 1 John. We've seen Jesus in Matthew. We've seen the Old Testament with Isaiah. That our hope is to be in something bigger, more lasting than what is in this life here. 
Our hope and our faith is to be in the eternal God and his good news gospel that says he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us and that whoever believes in him will have eternal life, eternal, everlasting, life without end. It will not stop. And if our hope is in anything else, if we are resting in anything else other than, other than Jesus, we don't have hope. We don't have the anchor and the foundation. It is in something that is passing away. So Revelation 17 and 18. In these passages, in this big section, We have God contrasting the rest of the way through the Bible, and you've heard of several of them. I've already mentioned the city of the world contrasted with the city of God. You're going to see here a contrast between the way the world would do things, what they're into, what satisfies them, what delights them, what makes them happy, as compared or contrasted to what God tells us should be important to us. And then you have this clear one that's symbolic, The prostitute compared with the bride. Now, look at this. Turn over to chapter 21, verse 9. I want to show you this. Look at 21, 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, now look at what he says here, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Does everybody see that? The wife of the lamb. Does everybody see that? That is the church. That's everybody that is trusting in Jesus for the salvation, for forgiveness. That's what that is. Okay? Now, that was 21.9, 21.9. Now, look back to our passage today at 17.1. 17.1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven balls, is exactly what 21.9 just said, came and said to me, come. I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute. The wife in 21.9 is not a single woman, an individual woman. The prostitute of 17.1 isn't either. 21.9 is all who are trusting in Christ and can't wait for him to come back and take them to heaven. 17.1 is about all that don't believe that, don't think they need him, don't have a savior. This is what the rest of the Bible is doing here on out, comparing and contrasting these two. In the rest of our time this morning, I want to point out three observations, three characteristics from chapter 17 and 18 of the world and it passing away. Kids, if you're using a listening page, here are your points. Number one, the world and all of its deception is passing away. The world is passing away. We've seen that. Uh, That's what I've been talking about the whole time. But specifically, the deception that is in this world, the deceitfulness that we see, the deceptiveness, the the, the cunning in this world is passing away. One of the hard things about life, okay, is trying to recognize what's true. 
One of the hard things about life is trying to make a decision on, should I do this or should I do that? When I went to vote this last Tuesday, I knew about four or five different things that I wanted to vote about. There ended up being about 50 different things on the ballot for me to vote on. And I kind of felt helpless in that moment. I thought, well, what do I do? And there's a lot of people out there that don't vote. And there's a lot of people out there that don't care. And I at least wanted to do the right thing and contribute. And then I, I kind of felt torn in a moment. Well, I can't just circle, right? <laughs> if I don't know about it, can I just circle? And if I don't do that, then what did I just do? Why did I even come? And as I stood there, because I voted at Fairdale High School, and as I stood there doing that, I kind of thought to myself, like, I'm having a moment right here. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on about anything. And then to make matters worse, I didn't even understand the two things at the end that I had to vote on. The wording was so heavy and complicated, I was like so confused. I had to text my friends in the middle of the, of the voting. And life is like that sometimes. Like, man, I mean well, and I really am trying to do my best, and I still don't know what's right. Hey, folks, in this fallen world, Satan loves that. Satan loves that. He loves it when people say, I mean, well, I'm trying to do my best, but I don't know much about God. That's deception. That's deceitful. You remember what happened in the Garden of Eden with the snake and Eve? There's really nothing in that passage at all that seems horrible Nobody was beaten up that day. Nobody was robbed that day. Nobody's house was attacked. Nobody's kids were messed up. It was like harmless if that's the way you judge good and bad. Wasn't anything evil in there, was there? Except for the very thing that I've shown you in like six passages already that will last forever. What was that that will last forever? His word. That thing was questioned and then ignored. That's the worst thing of all. Adam and Eve were deceived. God said, don't eat. They reasoned through it with the snake, and they ate. That's deception. They meant well. They tried to make their best judgment. They tried to do what was right in their eyes. They tried to figure it out on their own apart from the truth of God. They were deceived. And the Bible teaches us here that all of the deception that's out there in the world will be gone. There's coming a day where you will know all truth. There's coming a day where you won't have any more questions. But until that day, you are to trust in the truth the way, Jesus, the revealed word of God, his faithful promises, his goodness to get you through all of this deception. You were to trust him. Let me show you just a few places, okay? Let's read chapter 17, starting in verse one. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, with the wine of whose sexual morality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet 
and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written the name of mystery. Babylon, the mother, the great mother of prostitutes, of earth's and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. You see how heavy these passages are? There's a lot of deception here, isn't there? It's a beautiful woman being described, an attractive woman. She's dressed nicely. She has on nice jewelry. She says nice things. She's got nice things going on. It's seemingly like a celebration and a party. They're they're serving wine. There's so many things in this world that we're not really sure how to take it. A lot of times built into this is deception. What happens is we're deceived. Next thing you know, we're not focused on truth. And that hurts us. The Bible is teaching us here that the world and its deception is passing away. Skip over to chapter 18, verse 21. Look at this. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard and you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found and you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard and you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. Look at this. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth. Great ones on earth and merchants. And look what it says. And all nations were deceived by your sorcery, by this prostitute, by this city, which is ultimately just saying this fallen world, deceived into goodness, into religion, into politics, into things that make us think this is what life's about. It's deception. And while this world and all of its deception is passing away, you and I are to be pushed toward truth. We are to be those that carry truth. We are to be people who are about the truth. This is why we're to keep these, this, this word close to us. This is why it's supposed to be on our lips and in our homes and in our lives that we'd be near the truth. And may you be strengthened today that the truth will lead you. And may you be encouraged to guard yourself from all deception. Number one, the world and all deception is passing away. Number two, the world and all its darkness is passing away. This passage has so much darkness in it that this is why I'm doing it like this. There's a lot of darkness here. There's a lot of darkness in this life, isn't there? There's a lot of darkness here. A lot of things that we deal with, a lot of things that break our hearts, 
And this passage shows us some of that as well. Look with me at chapter 18, starting in verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Look at this. This is just talking about the world. She's become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. Look at this. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. A lot of deception in that passage, but also a lot of darkness. Demonic, evil, haunting, unfaithfulness, immorality, power, wealth. Happening to the merchants, happening to the kings, happening to the nations, happening to us. The Bible is telling us here in 17 and 18 that what God is doing here is doing away with all of it. Look at chapter 17, verse 14. They will make war on the Lamb. That's the context. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them. Does everybody see that? What this passage is doing is it's showing us of the world that is passing away. And all in the world, things like deception, things like darkness. And yet it is encouraging us because Jesus is doing away with all of that at the end of the world. It's what we look forward to. It's what we long for. It's what our hearts are recognizing. We want this world fixed, and it will happen one day at the return of Christ. Now, in this passage, we also see just a lot of hatred Later on, the prostitute will turn, well, the, the kings will turn on the prostitute. First of all, she's working through the kings. Then they will turn on her. And this is what's going to happen at the end of the world. But it's going to be just this heightened, ugly, and evilness and hatred. Commentator Schreiner says, hatred, which all of us deal with hatred at times, hatred is irrational and demonic. Evil ultimately implodes upon itself. It is inherently self-destructive. The city of man will collapse under the weight of its own evil and hate when Christ returns and judges the world and does away with it. Number one, the world and all its deception is passing away. Number two, the world and all its darkness is passing away. And number three, lastly, The world and all of its death is passing away. There's a real sense in which the book of Revelation keeps telling us over and over again, and we've already made this point multiple times, but there's a real sense in which the book of Revelation is telling us over and over again that part of the reason why God will come and judge the world is because of what the world has done to God and his people. Our sins, we killed God's son. 
He, he was crucified on the cross because of the sins of the world. And yet we also see that Christians are killed on a regular basis. This comes out. Look at chapter 17, verse 6. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And so what we see happening here is the lamb coming back with a sword, the Bible says. We're going to get to that in the next chapters. The the, the lamb, Jesus, conquering, coming back with a sword to end all of this that's wrong. And part of it will be the correct, wrathful response to the way this prostitute city, this fallen world, has dealt with his people. And we see that in its realest sense with the killing of Christians and martyrs. And so we are strengthened here at the end that the world and all of its death is passing away. One commentator says, the saints witnessed to Jesus by their lives. That's an important thing to understand. This is how we celebrate somebody's life when they pass away, is that we reflect upon their witness and their faith in Christ and the way that they have lived. The saints witnessed to Jesus by their lives, but according to this, they also paid for it with their deaths. The woman cannot tolerate anyone devoted to the Christ, and thus, She drinks their blood by taking the lives of those who belong to Jesus. We see this ugliness. We see this opposition to God and his ways. We see the world is passing away and also death with it. It seems like it was just a few Sundays ago. We stood up here and we talked through the passing of Miss Alma Nicholson. And now we stand up here again We talk through the passing of Coach Stan Harden. We can't miss that death keeps coming for us. We don't want anybody else to pass away, but it keeps happening. And there's so many times when we lose someone where we think, why? And I hate that. I was talking to Brian, his son, this week. And as he watched Bellarmine, so masterfully play basketball this week. Brian said he pulled out his phone to text his dad, Coach Stan, after he had passed away. You've done that before too. I know you have. Death is like that. It stings to us. It hurts deep down. We don't like it. We wish we didn't have it. We don't want to deal with it. But you know what the Bible teaches us? That when we know God, death is a good thing. The Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Turn over to chapter 21. I want to show you this great verse. Chapter 21, verse 4. Twenty-one, four. Look what it says here about death. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Does everybody see that? When Christ comes back and deals with this world, it'll be the end of death. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul mocks death, and you heard of that, right? 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory now? It's encouraging to know that in God, with God's love, we have a proper perspective, an answer to death. That whoever believes in Christ has the victory. They have eternal life. The world and all its death is passing away. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, and Curtis kind of alluded to it, we lose each other for a brief time in order that we might have each other back in eternity. There is coming a day when deception will be overcome by all truth. There is coming a day when darkness will be overcome with all light. And there is coming a day when death will be overcome by life. That day is coming, and until then, you and I can embrace it fully by trusting in Christ, who is the truth and who gave himself for us. Sometimes life is so much fun and filled with so much upbeat goodness. I mentioned during the baptisms how much energy there was up there. I thought they were going to cannonball into the water. I was nervous about how that was going to go up there. We're thankful for times like that, aren't we? We're thankful for happy kids and happy days. But there's also times where it ain't like that. And God has answers for both of those. God's with us through all of that. One of my favorite things to do is to promise the kids if they do something good that I'll take them and get them a slushy over here at our new fancy gas station. It's only 79 cents for a slushy, so it's a great deal. So we go down here and we get a slushy and we go home and they act like it's the best thing ever. And then a little bit later at home, I find these slushies sitting around everywhere and they didn't drink them. They're like three-fourths of the way still full. And I say to them, why'd we get it if you weren't going to drink it? And what I'm kind of learning is that the, the moment of going with dad and going into the gas station and picking out, they got like 12 different flavors there, and picking out which one you want and cutting up through that, and all of that is really what it's about more than the drinking or the not drinking, the slushy. And I'm, I'm having to learn that. But there's a picture in that slushy in this life. When I said, if you weren't going to drink it, why'd you get it? May that carry over to you with this world. Hey, if it ain't going to satisfy you forever, don't make it the most important thing right now. If it ain't worth it in the eyes of God, it's not worth it right now. If it's not going to honor him and worship him forever, it may not honor and worship him right now. The world and all that is in it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride and possessions, the prostitute, the city, the deception, the deception, the darkness, the death, it's all going away. May you and I say, I want my life, I want my life 
to be about the things of God. Trust in Christ. Live forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the promises that we have from your word. And thank you, God, for the assurance that we have in Christ. Thank you, God, that the heavy hearts can be lifted and comforted. Thank you, God, for love everlasting. Thank you, God, that when everything else fails, your love does not. Father, we pray today that you would set our hearts on truth, that we would recognize things that don't last, and we'd be about that which does truth. Father, we ask that you would work in our hearts now and establish us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we sing this...